What's going on, everybody? Thank you so much for joining me here for this very special Wednesday edition of Fantasy MLB Today. We're a sports ethos presentation, of course, and I'm your host, Joe O'Rico. You guys can find me on Twitter at JoeOrico99, and you can check out all the great work from our different writers and podcasters at Ethos Fantasy BB. That's E-T-H-O-S Fantasy BB. We post all of our podcasts, articles, news and notes, every bit of content on the baseball side you guys can check out there at Ethos Fantasy BB. And if you're not on Twitter, understandable at this point, go check out SportsEthos.com for all that same coverage across all four major sports. We got gambling. We got all of it. You guys need to just check it out because there's so much stuff going on. We just launched our NFL Draft Guide. A lot of content for you guys to be checking out, but we have bigger fish to fry today. We got a guest on the show. It's been a while since I brought a guest on, but we have a big, big guest here. We're back with a splash. He is my golf partner from last year in Arizona. We had a lot of fun meeting him. We've done a couple of pods together over the years, over the last couple of years, I should say. And he is one of the nicest, greatest guys in the community. David Mendelson, you know him as one of the co-founders of Triple Play Fantasy. He is one of the men on the Triple Play Fantasy Baseball Podcast. And you can check out his work at dmendy 2 on Twitter. David, how are you doing today, man? Joe, I'm good, man. Appreciate you having me on the show. It's been far too long since we caught up. But yeah, we were talking golf a little bit before, a bunch of different things. But I'm um, really pumped to talk some baseball with you on the show. It's great to have you back, man. I know you were here when I did the uh, the trade deadline show last year. I think that was the first time we met. We had a great panel with you and Joe Pisapia and Welsh and uh, Mike mm-hmm. Kerland. And that was when I first like met you. And then I did the triple play pod and we saw each other and really great to get to know you over this last year and a bit. You want to let everybody know before we get going besides the triple play stuff or maybe even just talk about triple play what it is you got going on because I know you're affiliated with a couple sites you do a ton of work just let the people know uh, where they can find you and what you got going on. Yeah, uh, so mostly right now, triple play stuff. Uh, I do work with the 33rd team football related during the season, mostly a lot of betting content, obviously with the offseason, not really as much stuff right now. Uh, Also do some work with fantasy pros, although I haven't written an article in a little bit. So um, right now, pretty much mostly been focusing on just triple play stuff, the baseball podcast every single week. If you guys want to check that out, that's probably the number one thing I would definitely promote is our podcast on YouTube, just triple play fantasy baseball podcast uh anywhere you find podcasts on your podcasting platform as well we're, we're out there uh, we have the call up which is our minor league show that comes out every week as well and then we also have the fantasy baseball beat all under our network so all of that's pretty much like all our baseball stuff and that's what i've been putting a lot of time towards so far during the baseball season fantasy baseball beat is one of the newer podcasts and it is also one of the coolest podcasts if you guys haven't checked it out Definitely need to be checking out that show and everything else that David has going on. One of the hosts of the Triple Play Fantasy Beat will actually be here with us Friday. Our good friend Mike Carter will be rejoining the show, uh, along with Greg Jewett, actually, to talk about some relievers. So be sure to check out that one. Now, today, David, we're going to be talking about some potential second-half bounce backs. But first, let's talk about your teams. I'll maybe mention mine a little bit. How have you done so far this season? How has the fantasy first half treated you? I'm going to be honest. I feel like this is a safe space and this has probably been my worst season for fantasy uh, in a long time. And it's mainly because it, most of the leagues I do, I like to go starting pitcher early and I stack them up early, you know, you know, pocket aces or, you know, taking two pitchers in my first four picks, something like that. And something I know we'll talk more about in depth a little later is just the how bad starting pitching has been this year, especially the top end guys. And so that's been hurting me. Uh, in my home league, I started off with Corbin Burns and Spencer Strider with my first two picks. And Strider's been 
pretty good, but he had an ERA over four until his last start. Corbin Burns has an ERA over four currently and just blew up uh, for seven earned runs in his last start. So uh, that that's pretty much, I think, setting the tone. You know, I, I have some Sandy Alcantara shares, especially my TGFBI team's hurting because of that. Uh, you know, it, it's I think that's why a lot of my teams have been hurting this year. Um, but yeah, overall, it's just been usually like teams are around 500 or, you know, in terms of standings, I'm kind of like in the middle towards like the back end, not necessarily last, but no teams have been killing it for me this year. What about you? TGFBI was my strong team for the first while I was first in my league. I was top like 50 overall. And now I've kind of fallen back. I think I'm like 120 something overall third in my league. Uh, I'm either doing fairly well or, or horrendously. There's not really much middle ground for me so far. Uh, my home league, I'm in like second or third. Uh, TGFBI, I'm in like third. We did a draft down in Arizona, a draft mm-hmm. champions. And I'm in third in that one. But Steve Weimer and Frank Stamfel have absolutely lapped the field there. So I think <laughs> third is as good as I'm going to possibly do uh, in that one. And then I'm in, uh, I don't know if you're in the road, the, the area leagues, the earth leagues. I was the last few years, but I didn't do it this year. I'm in the Canadian one for the first time and really doing poorly there. And then I'm in a main event qualifier as well. And I also went early pitching in that one, but I went with probably the two worst guys I could have gone with early on, Burns and Alcantara. I thought I was set, but mm-hmm. uh, alas, that is fantasy baseball for you. So that team is not bringing up the rear, but 14th, 13th. Uh, so we're getting ready to, to wave the flag on that one. But it's been a crazy kind of year for me. There's been a lot of big surprises. What has been your biggest or some of your biggest surprises that you've seen so far, whether it's an individual player, uh, maybe it's a team, how the rule changes have affected things. What have, what have surprised you so far this year, David? There's been a lot. Uh, we talked about it. You just touched on it a minute ago, just how bad starting pitching has been the higher end guys. Again, Corbin Burns, Sandy Alcantara, you know, uh, even Garrett Cole had a little bit of a rough stretch there. Uh, it's just, you know, Brandon Woodruff is barely pitched this season cause he's been hurt. Justin Verlander's looked awful. Max Scherzer hasn't been Max Scherzer. I, I mean, you name it. There has not been consistent starting pitching up top. Dylan Cease has been up and down. I, I mean, they're just names popping in my head as we keep going here, but like starting pitcher has been so inconsistent and that's again, for teams like a lot of mine and you referenced one of yours, if you went, you know, high end starting pitching early, you're hurt because of that. Um, so that's one thing. The increase in stolen bases is another. And I think we all knew that with the new rule, stolen bases were going to go up. I don't think we had an idea they were going to go up this much. Right now, Asturi Ruiz has 40. And he's one stolen base behind last year's all-season leader, John Birdie, at 41. Uh, so like the amount of stolen bases that guys are giving you now, I think, is even more than we were anticipating. I mean, Ronald Acuna by himself is on pace for a 40-70 season. Uh, I mean, that's just bonkers to me. Um, another one I know we uh, they talked about also before the season is the shift and how much it's benefiting hitters, how much it's really hurting pitchers too. Uh, things that used to be outs aren't anymore. You see guys like Corey Seager, who going into the year lost the most hits due to the shift, is now batting like 330, even though he missed time. He looks like a legit MVP candidate and might be the MVP if it wasn't for Shohei Otani. It's like, Everything going into the year we were kind of like interested is really played out uh, exponentially, if you will, kind of with the results that the guys have been having. But I think the number one storyline with all that said is just the complete fall of Alec Manoa. He has been absolutely dreadful. I know everybody saw on Twitter 
what he did down at the uh, the complex league, his his one start, eleven earned runs against eighteen year old hitters that have never seen major league pitching. Um, that I heard somebody say today that they, he threw mostly fastballs and was working just kind of on his mechanics, but giving up eleven earned runs even in that situation is just doesn't seem right to me. See, there's there is so much going on with him for a guy that was the ace of a t- it wasn't even like he was a starting pitcher on this he was the ace of the blue jays going into the year arguably with kevin gosman like co-aces um uh, and it, it's just like to me how a guy can go from being what many consider probably a top 20 to 25 starting pitcher in baseball to being somebody that looks like he could be in japan in the matter of a year uh that i think is the biggest storyline to me it hurts, man. There's a, there's so much to unpack with Manoa. Uh, first of all, I hate that the Blue Jays threw him out there against the Yankees minor league team because that just fuels Yankees Twitter and the Yankees fan because they already don't like Manoa because he took a shot at Cole and then there was some kind of animosity there. There's always a little bit of animosity with Toronto and New York, but it's really been on level 10 recently because of some comments Manoa made. And then yesterday, of course, he didn't do himself any favors. Mm-hmm. I feel like he's got to get better. But at the same time, there's nothing that really points to, yes, you know, we're talking second half bounce backs in general today. There's nothing that points to Manoa coming back and being old Alec Manoa. And you mentioned, you know, he was the ace of the Blue Jays. He was a Cy Young finalist last year. Mm-hmm. If it wasn't for Justin Verlander's crazy year, and I forget if it was Cease or McClanahan who was second Cease. in voting. It was Cease, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. it was Cease. There's a world where Manoa could have been the American League Cy Young last year. I think he was a 225 ERA. Like he was, he was as solid as it comes. Now, is there anything that you think other than maybe just, you know, the yips or whatever? I'm not even sure how to classify it, even though I've seen almost every start he's made. Is there anything that you've seen that will is a tell of why he has struggled, perhaps? The biggest thing I keep seeing people talking about is the pitch clock. That that was the yeah. biggest difference from last year to this year in terms of what could be going on. But there's people that have come out and said that they don't to have that drastic change. Um, can you really attribute it to a pitch clock? I don't know. Uh, but that's the only real thing that tangibly I could see being the problem. I mean, you see pictures of him. He's not like a, a in shape guy. He really, I feel like let himself go over the last couple of years compared to when he first came up. And if, you know, if you're not, in con- you're not conditioned, you know, maybe, that's allowing him to, you know, his mechanics to be thrown off because he's feeling like he's rushing, he's catching his breath more. We saw somebody else that's like a, a huskier type of pitcher in Lance Lynn have the same type of struggles, but he seems like recently he's, you know, starting to get a little bit more under control. Uh, but it, it's interesting because we didn't see uh, a lot of huskier pitchers with this pitch clock. We never saw like a CC Sabathia or any of those type of players have the pitch clock. So I, I do wonder if there's correlation to that in terms of if you're just not in shape having to to speed up pitching that much. Um, I was not going to lie to you the same type of control. We saw Alec Manoa's walk rate. It's an insane, it's like eight uh, walks per nine, something like that uh, before obviously he got taken off the team. But that that's where it's like, that to me is the only correlation I can make. Obviously maybe they're, I'm sure they're looking into other things right now with him, but it's not encouraging to say the least. Now, he's one of those guys over the last couple of years, he's kind of outperformed his, uh, you know, FIP and XFIP. And mm-hmm. a lot of that I attribute it to, you know, the less than ideal strikeout rate. The strikeout rate has gone down quite precipitously over these last couple of seasons. Every year in the bigs, it has gone down for him. 
Now those, uh, you know, big strikeout rate pitchers tend to have better FIPS and XFIPS because the formulas, I'm far from a math person, so don't ask me what the formula is exactly, but I know that they tend to reward pitchers who have higher strikeout rates. He's not one of those guys. Now, even with that being said, he's one of those dudes and like, I'm a Toronto native. I'm a diehard Toronto fan. I've seen 95% of the pitches he's ever thrown in the majors. And there was just something there that you can't really quantify with the stats. I think with Manoa, there are times when he shouldn't be getting out of situations. This is Manoa of, of yesteryear. Uh, where he shouldn't be getting out of situations and he was still able to pitch his way out of it. He gives up three runs in the first and he still throws seven innings, allowing three runs the entire outing and he just settles in. And there's certain things that were kind of hard to quantify. And maybe it was just him getting a little bit lucky. I thought over the course of the last couple of years, we're talking about 60, 65 starts. I thought it was a big enough sample where you'd be like, okay, maybe there's just something that he is, that the stats are missing. Something that, because there are some pitchers where they just outperform their, their periphery uh, indicators every year. Mm Mm-hmm. But with Manoa, it just looks like he needs a full reset. It looks like he's not even hit rock bottom yet, if what we saw yesterday is the case. So I'm definitely there with you. He's got to be. Uh, your brother tweeted out yesterday, the day before, on the Triple Play account. He's probably the biggest bust in recent memory that has nothing to do with injury. I mean, maybe there is an underlying injury, but nothing that they've reported. It just looks like he is a true blue mm-hmm. bust, uh, which is really unfortunate. My biggest surprise has been the amount of quality rookie pitchers that we've seen getting called up week mm-hmm. after week after week. Now, we're both relatively young guys. You're a couple of years older than I am. But I don't ever remember a year where there were this many quality prospect arms. It seems like every week in Fab, there's a new shiny toy. If it's one of the Millers or Williams or Abbott or I, you could go on and on and woo. And, you know, there's just so, so many great you know, pitchers that are coming up and a lot of them are having, you know, reasonable success. You know, there's obviously the Grayson Rodriguez is, you know, Bobby Miller's kind of struggled a little bit recently, but as a whole, they've been really, really good. Uh, these young pitchers, what are you, what's your thought on why these guys have come up and had some more success maybe than in previous years? Is there any, any reason for it? I know you guys do the, the call up pod as well. I'm sure you guys have talked about this a, a bunch. Yeah, I just think it's how minor league teams are, are developing these pitchers and how they're acclimating them to what the, they should be ready for for the big leagues. Obviously, if you have overpowering velocity, which is a great start, but you being able to have a second and third pitch that can get major league hitters out. I know there are certain clubs like the Seattle Mariners that have preached, you know, going sinker, um, going. It's like uh, I think it's like um, uh, sweeper, sinker. And I forgot the third pitch, but they are like the Mariners were like three pitches that they wanted their minor leaguers to work on. Um, but again, you know, I think just the scouting and just player development has been coming along so much that when you have these guys, uh, you know, they, they're able to teach these guys other pitches. They're able to tinker with their arsenals. They're able to really, you know, develop two to three quality big league pitches. And then they go out there. And of course, when the major league teams haven't seen you yet, uh, you can get by it in the beginning just on, you know, not having much tape on you. Now it's, it's always, okay, now there's tape on you. How are you going to adjust? And we saw that with Bryce Miller, who through his first few starts was just dominant. And then he went against the Yankees in Texas and they gave up like a combined 15 earned runs over those two games. But then he adjusted after that and then it's looked great. And I think it, that's the real success that we're looking for. The a real telltale of how these young pitchers are going to develop is okay. You come in there, teams see you. Now, how are you going to adjust to combat once they see what you do? And that's, I think, what we can tell a lot with these young pitchers. Uh, Andrew Abbott's another one who, in his big first couple starts, uh, you know, seemed like he was very lucky, a sell high guy because he wasn't striking guys out. The you know the ERA metrics showed 
that um, they should be higher than, you know, he wasn't giving up any runs, but that he should have allowed some runs based on uh, just how he looked in that start, not many swings and misses, the whiffs, everything. But now over his last two starts, he's given up runs, but he's had 10 and eight strikeouts. So like that's, I think him making adjustments over time. So that's, I think it all stems initially from just how these minor league teams are getting their arsenals to get out big league hitters and making sure that they have the the amount of pitches and uh, different ways they can attack hitters, but then them learning how to adjust and being able to uh, combat when big league hitters adjust to them. Yeah, Andrew Abbott, man, I was right there with you because those first few starts, you're looking at six, four, and two strikeouts, and you're thinking, mm-hmm. okay, he isn't allowed an earned run in any of them. It's only a matter of time you can be doing that, but over his last two starts, 18 strikeouts. Yesterday in Baltimore, uh, he looked really, really good, and that's kind of mm-hmm. something else I wanted to talk to you about. Cincinnati and Baltimore, it's kind of nice that they're playing each other right now as they're both calling up players and they're both looking really, really strong. Do you think they're legit playoff contenders? Do you think they have deep enough rotations to go along with these young prospects in the field that they are actually going to be able to make some noise come September, October? Or is this more, you think, just a hot streak from these two teams? I do think these are playoff teams. Playoff, like World Series contenders, no. I think they're going to be good enough so they're going to get in the playoffs. But I think once they're lined up, their rotation versus uh, a teams where like you look at the Dodgers or you look at the Braves or you look at teams that have better starting pitching, frontline guys, uh, that's when I think they're going to get exposed, both of these teams. You know, you have great stories in, in Baltimore. You have Dean Kramer and you have Kyle Gibson and you have uh, Kyle Bradish and all these guys that have been pitching really well. Uh, but what are they going to do in the playoffs in pressure situations? The Cincinnati Reds have been doing it without their two best starting pitchers in Nick Lodolo and Hunter Green. And, you know, they have Andrew Abbott coming up in there and, you know, pitching well. Connor Phillips right now just got promoted to AAA. He's going to be a pitcher, I think, that's going to help them out as well. But, you know, they have Luke Weaver starting today. Luke Weaver should not be a starting pitcher in, in baseball right now. Yeah. Uh, so, like, that's where I'm worried about them going far in the playoffs. But these teams' cores are legit. I mean, if you're talking about if you were trying to get into baseball, which teams you should follow? These are probably two of the teams at the top, like Ellie De La Cruz. You know, you have Matt McLean. You have like people like Noel Marte aren't isn't even in the big leagues, but they another guy coming up for them. You know, you have Christian Encarnacion Strand, who's not even with them yet. Uh, there, there's so much young talent in Cincinnati. Same with Baltimore, man. Like Adley Rutschman, Gunnar Henderson, Colton Kowser hasn't been called up yet. I've been waiting for when he's going to get called up. They just brought up uh, Jordan Westberg. Like, it's they're so exciting, and there's so many good pieces in place. Both these teams need to get a uh, an ace like starting pitcher or at least a high end starter on their teams. I think if they're legit wanting to contend, but they're for real. They're Maybe this isn't their year, but they're going to be around for a long time. Yeah, if only Cincinnati had a guy like Luis Castillo, maybe then they'd be able to. <laughs> Dude, right? I was thinking that today. Could they wish they could just redo the the Marte Castillo trade? Yeah, I mean, at this point, if they had Castillo, Abbott, Green, Lodolo healthy for a playoff series, mm-hmm. throw an Ashcraft there, I guess, if you want to at the end. But I mean, he's kind of hit or miss. That's a decent looking rotation, and I do remember, mm-hmm. you know, I mentioned off the top that you were here. Uh, for that deadline show he did last year, I remember distinctly, and there's sometimes there's weird things that stick in your head, of your face when you saw that Christian Encarnacion Strand was a part <laughs> of that trade for Tyler Marley. I remember you just, I, I don't know why, there's sometimes there's weird things, and I remember <laughs> being like, David, something did something happen there? And you're like, they had put Strand in this trade? Strand and that. Steer. 
uh, Strand and Spencer Steer, who has been no slouch himself this season either. Absolute heist. Absolute heist. <laughs> and uh, I'm sure as a Twins fan that uh, <laughs> that one stings a little bit. But you know what? You can't win them all. The Twins leaving their division, I think. I haven't checked the standings in the last couple of days, but I think they're still at the top of the American League Central. Yeah, they are. Uh, we're going to talk about a couple of Twins here because we're going to be talking about some possible bounce backs. And while we're on the subject, why don't we just start off with those guys? Byron Buxton is someone who's been really, really interesting to me, I think. He's been mostly healthy this season. He's played, I think, 75% of the team's games, roughly. Mm-hmm. He's stealing bases again, too, which is really good. He's got six of them so far. He's got 13 homers. That looks pretty good. He's batting 200, and he's striking out more than 30% of the time. Can Byron Buxton, if he stays healthy, really make a push and become like an upper-tier fantasy player again, you think? Or is this batting average just like we've seen it for the last few years now? It's been getting a little bit worse, but is he somebody there where there is room for him to improve, you think? Or is this kind of just who he is now? Well, if you haven't looked at his page yet, I'm going to give you a guess. What do you think his expected batting average is? Haven't looked at that. Oh, God. 235? 207. Oof. So it's not even like the, they're expecting that there's some possible regression coming with him. Uh, I think Byron Buxton. So first of all, the twins don't play him in the outfield anymore. Rightfully so. They don't want him to get hurt. He's too valuable a hitter for that team. So he's mostly DHing now. Um, and I think he, he, we've seen his game kind of transform. He used to be a guy that, you know, looked like he was a 2020 threat and, you know, hit for a decent average, maybe not like a 300 hitter, but like a 260, 270, 280 hitter. Uh, he's his strikeout rate starting to creep back up again. Still hits a lot of bombs when he's healthy. Uh, I just had a two homer game last week, but Byron Buxton, at least this season, I'm not expecting much of a turnaround. I think when it's all said and done, you know, he'll be a guy that will hit 25 plus home runs if he stays healthy and he'll probably steal 15 plus bases, which is fine. That's definitely valuable, but he's probably going to hit like 215, 220. Um, with a sub 300 OBP probably. So if that's somebody that you can roster on your team, I would say, I think in Roto, it's a little bit more valuable than points because he's striking out too much in points, but he's not going to be like an MVP candidate. Like we've seen in the past, uh, try to turn around in the second half. I think he kind of is what he is this season. I do like that the steals have generally come back a little bit. I mean, not mm-hmm. to a crazy extent, but like you said, if he ends up with 15, that'd be the highest he's had since 2019. Uh, I like that the walk rate is above 10%. It's at 11% right now, but to mm-hmm. have an above 10% walk rate in a sub 300 on base percentage, that's a little bit concerning. Uh, definitely yep. uh, definitely a weird one to look at there, and it's because of, of the lack of base hits. Now, his BABIP is, as of right now, 242 which does stray you know it's, it's a little bit on the low side he's a career 300 babbit guy maybe you can get some points back there but i think you know best case scenario is probably somewhere in like the 240 ish range it's interesting though the bad x rest of season has him batting 254 mm-hmm. so if he's able to bat 254 rest of season it's still That'd probably be great. Averages, it's still probably averages out to like 230 220 something but I think you'll take that. Would he be somebody where you would be interested in him, you know, in those, in those, like, let's say a 10 team league, do you think he's still somebody you'd want to be rostering or do you think there's better to churn and burn that kind of spot? So here's something funny. You say that in our home league, which is actually like pretty competitive and a lot of people know their stuff. He's a free agent in our home league. And, um, I thought I was looking at him the other day and I was like, man, like this is not a good profile to roster. I mean, it's a points league, but I was like, 
is it crazy that I'm not picking him up right now? But like, again, like just looking into the, the deeper numbers, I was like, there's nothing here that makes me want to own him again. Like if Roto, you know, the power is legit, but like, you know, he's hit, he's been striking out above 30% each of the last two seasons. You want to say like, oh, he's aggressively chasing pitches outside the strike zone. Maybe that will change. Well, right now his, uh, his chase percentage right now is 29.8%. And that's actually the second best, uh, of his career at this point. He's actually, besides last year, the last two years have been his best years in terms of chasing outside of the strike zone. So it's not like he's, you know, not seeing the ball well and chasing pitches outside the zone. Uh, zone contact right now is also the highest it's been since 2020. Like there's a lot of things in his profile that are like, man, like they're, they're better than they have been. So why is he struggling so much? Uh, that that's why it just gives me a little bit of a pause to say in, you know, 10 or 12 team leagues right now that he's a must roster for points leagues. He definitely is somebody I would roster in Roto. Um, but definitely out of the list of guys you gave me today, I'm not as keen on a second half bounce back. What, uh, how deep is that home league? 10 teams, 12 teams? Uh, 12 teams. So he's on the waiver wire in a 12 teamer. I'm just, I'm just going to quickly check here uh, and see like where he is on Yahoo. I'm sure he's right up there. So he's 85% rostered. So I guess there are some people who have been like, eh, maybe he's not, uh, not his year. He's batting 111 over the last month, three home runs in that stretch. But on, um, on ESPN, he is rostered. Actually, did he just get picked up? He might have just gotten picked up. Hold on. Oh, yeah. Let me, uh, let me see. Um, he did just get picked up this morning and he's rostered and okay. So guess his ESPN rostership. It tends to be a little lower than what you see on Yahoo. I'm going to say sometimes it's higher though. I'm going to say 80% lower 70 lower 50. It's 57.2% on ESPN. Oh, (laughs) Oh, Jesus. ESPN can be kind of weird, though, and they did shrink their standard roster sizes this year, so there's not as much room. <clears throat> there's no middle infield. There's no corner infield. I think it went from, like, four outfielders to three, so there's less room. Yeah. 57 still surprises me. I mean, I know he's not been <clears throat> amazing, but just even based on name brand value, like, there's still people rostering all kinds of crazy names yeah. that you see out there. Like, I figured Byron Buxton would be at least, you know, in the <clears throat> within spitting distance of what you see on Yahoo, which is, like, 85 and even then i would have thought 85 is i would i would have thought it'd be in the 90s to be honest i would have thought people were still holding on holding on alec manoa is still like 60 percent rostered on yahoo so i figured yeah Austin is actually a warm body giving you something i figured it'd be a bit higher but let's let's switch gears and talk about another member of the twins who's kind of been struggling <clears throat> kind of doesn't even really cut it he has been struggling that's carlos correa He's not stealing bases, but that's no surprise. Everything else is kind of in line with what you expect. The home runs are about average. Not scoring that many runs, which is actually I just realized now. He only has 25 runs this mm-hmm. season, which is really surprising. But I think if anything, you know, where you can usually look for safety with Correa's in batting average. And this year we have not seen that at all. 212. Now he does have a career low 247 Babbitt. Mm-hmm. Would you be trying to buy into Correa? What are your thoughts on him for the second half? I don't have a hard time buying in low on Correa. I do think there are better days ahead. His expected batting average right now is 234. So that's definitely better than what you're getting right now with the 212 batting average. Uh, but I just, the one thing I'm concerned of is I think his power is legit not there. 11 home runs on the season. He's actually played a lot of games this year. So it's not like, oh, it's like he hasn't played a lot. Um, he has over 300 plate appearances. 
So 300 plate appearances, 11 home runs. If he gets 600 plate appearances, which I think in a best case scenario in a season, that's what you're going to get. He's on pace for 22 home runs. Uh, that's just not going to cut it if you're uh, rostering him for you know a guy that you know you're supposed to be like, okay, is he going to give me runs? No, he's got 25. Can he give me a power? No, he'll maybe give me 20. Um, he the Twins lineup, he's kind of bounced around between the top and kind of the the middle towards the back end, depending on the lineup they're fa- or the pitcher they're facing. But he's fine. He's not somebody I'm like. I'm expecting a huge second half for him. He'll go on his streaks like he normally does, but um, you know he's still hitting the ball hard. He's still got an elite max EV, which he's had each of the last three years. He's in the you know top eight percentile max EV. Hard hit rate still about league average. Strikeout rate a little higher than it's been, but still very manageable, twenty four percent. I think he is what he is. He's going to be somebody that you know, as a shortstop or you put him as a middle infielder, he's fine. Um, he'll be fine there as, you know, somebody you can put in your lineup every day. I just wouldn't expect him to be a difference maker at this point. Yeah. I mean, it's unfortunate. The shortstop position is fairly deep where if you're mm-hmm. in a 10 team league, you're, you're probably okay to move on from him. Not then again, I'll do yeah. a little roster check here and see, I bet he's over 90 still. Oh, he's not. He's at 80. 80% on Yahoo. And I think that's also, you know, you've got guys like Matt McClain who have made a lot of it. Like, I'm, I think this is probably a foregone conclusion, but easily taking Matt McClain over a guy like Correa. And I think that there's mm-hmm. probably McClain is, what is he at? 70%. So more people are still rostering Correa than they are Matt Correa is 75% on ESPN. Yeah. I mean, in those shallow formats, 10 and 12 team leagues. <clears throat> He's not somebody that I'd really feel that strongly about holding on to. If you're in like mm-hmm. an NFBC league, you can't drop him. There's just nobody that's going to give you proper value on the waiver wire uh, in that shortstop or middle infield spot in a 15-teamer. Like He's definitely still one of the top 450 players. Um, but, man, it has been kind of a rough last few seasons. The trajectory for Carlos Correa as a fantasy player, it's kind of going down to the point where I wonder where people are going to even bother taking him next year. Like He won't be a top 100 pick. He can't be. Top 100 and 50 maybe i just i just can't see people getting excited about him because there's nothing really there to get excited about especially if the batting average is not there for you because that's something you could at least Mm -hmm. say okay he might not steal that many bases he might not have that many this that or the other but at least he's batting 270 280 for me but if he's batting Mm -hmm. almost at the mendoza line then there's really no value there in carlos Correa, unfortunately at this point yeah he was like the 15th shortstop off the board i think roughly going in drafts and he was everybody's favorite value pick but he'll he'll slide down even more uh, if his batting average is stays at what is expected is, you know, you know, sub 230. So, I mean, yeah, if, if he's just, I think his name is going to carry him more than his actual production at this point. Uh, so, and it's the funny thing is too, that, I mean, the twins obviously just gave him a huge new deal, so they'll play him, but they have so many guys that they could plug in there. Um, you know, they have a lot of, of hitters coming up. So that's my only concern. Like if he doesn't produce like, they did pay him, so he'll be in the lineup, but um, th- there's guys that could easily outperform him uh, based on the numbers he's putting up right now. Yeah, and Royce Lewis, he was a natural shortstop. Correct me if I'm wrong, mm-hmm. but he was a shortstop that's now going to have to play out of position because of Correa, right? Yeah, they tried him in the outfield, but he got two torn ACLs from that, so now they're sticking him just in the infield. He's now their third baseman. Yeah, but you know that's one of the consequences. Correa, a big, shiny toy, but... 
maybe the twins should have taken note of uh the giants and who was it the mets the mets and the giants yeah. right the who twins both passed on him. do this all I'm, I'm a twins a big twins fan and it, it like they do this stuff all the time it is so frustrating being a twins fan because they do stupid stuff all the time it's, it's, it's just as another example it's like two teams pass on him and don't give him a mega deal and you're the one that gives it to him and look what he does in his first year it's just like yeah shakes my i shake my head at this i don't know why i'm still a fan they just they don't do anything right usually were, so were you born in minnesota are you a minnesota native i wasn't no i just i did a project on the state of minnesota in fifth grade uh, and then i like saw the team and uh that was when they had yo santana justin morneau joe mauer tory hunter and i fell in love with like that whole team and i've been a fan ever since that was crazy for me growing up to see a Canadian, Justin Morneau, win uh, the MVP. He was mm-hmm. special. And then Maurer, I mean, you could go on and on. And Johansson, I mean, that though, that core. I love that incredible. team, man. That I core was incredible. Uh, a lot of fun. There's a couple other pieces that I'm, I'm just trying to think back to, like, my old 2K team. Michael Kadire was on that team. Did they uh, Josh Willingham? Josh Willingham was on like the last part of that, like when they were still contending. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Denard Span, who's like my favorite, who's my favorite baseball player ever. Uh, Joe Nathan. Joe, Joe Nathan, Nathan, the closer for that. That they that was the heist of a trade they got for him. Um, but uh, yeah, like they had so many great, I, like they had some good pitchers come in there. Matt Garza, uh, Francisco Liriano when he was a beast yeah. his rookie season. Uh, those were like the the days, you know. Uh, that uh, you know uh, ron garden hired manager yeah yeah uh even like um uh carlos gomez yeah carlos gomez those are fun teams they actually had some star power on them too i mean yeah a couple mvps santana won what was it two cy youngs yeah they've they've got some good good uh players back in the mid 2000s there i i remember playing different 2k games and different baseball games and i would always try and get more no on my team (laughs) santana as well because he always was the best lefty uh in the game at the time but Memory lane there, I could go and talk about my old 2K teams <laughs> for a long, long time. But let's talk about another hitter who I think might have a better second half than he's had in the first half. Not that he's been terrible, but Kyle Schwarber, yep. by some metrics, I mean, he's batting 185, which is no good. He's still got a 328 on base percentage because he mm-hmm. just walks all the time. He's actually got the second highest walk rate of his career. And he's got the 20 home runs, but he's playing for a team that's kind of been a little bit disappointing offensively. Do you see Schwarber and, by extension, the Phillies as a whole kind of picking it up over the second half of the season? They're just over 500. They're kind of a middle-of-the-pack offense despite having Trey Turner, Bryce Harper back. What are your thoughts on Schwarber and kind of the Phillies as a whole for the second half of the season? Yeah, buying a lot of Phillies. I think they're going to bounce back in a big way. Schwarber, keep in mind, you're getting Kyle Schwarber at his worst, arguably, and he still has 20 home runs uh, right now. Like, uh, it's not even the all-star break 185 batting average. You never expected a good batting average from Kyle Schwarber. So let's, you know, that's not something that you're going to sit there and be completely shocked over, but he's, he's definitely something closer to his expected batting average 231. Um, so in pretty much his entire career, his expected batting average hovers between like 230 to 260. So I do think when it's all said and done, he's going to be like a 230 hitter. That's going to hit you, you know, close to 40 home runs, if not more. And he's shown that, with a 185 batting average, he's still on pace for that. Uh, you know, the the walk rate is the highest it's been of his career, or second highest of his career. The K rate is about what it's been. Like, you know, he strikes out sub 30% of the time. And uh, that's, you know, usually high 20s. And, uh, you know, he still hits the ball hard. Maybe he's not quite as hard as it's been in years past, but it's still hard enough. He's barreling the ball 15% of the time, more than the average major league hitter does. And 
again, I think it's one of those things like batting average is going to be better. Um, his expected batting average on fastballs is higher than his batting average. His expected batting average on breaking balls is supposed to be higher. His expected batting average on off-speed pitches is expected to be higher. Um, and there's nothing else in his batted profile, batted ball profile that's considered off what it's been like from recent years, really. So, yeah, Kyle Schwarber, the whole Phillies team, I'm expecting definitely for them to bounce back in the second half. Kyle Schwarber is arguably a top two or three power hitter in baseball. And he's going to continue that batting average will get better. Kyle Schwarber is definitely a buy. If somebody's selling him at all, he's definitely a buy for me. He's on pace to actually, you know, do pretty much exactly what he did last season, which was the biggest year of his career was 46, a hundred runs, 94 ribbies. Mm -hmm. If you just add the bat X rest of season projections into what he's already done, you're looking at 41 homers, you're looking at 91 runs scored. You're looking at 96 RBIs, a couple of steals, and the batting average, according to Bad X, which I, you know you can look at all the projection systems. I tend to trust what what Derek does with the Bad X. Two thirty eight average rest of season mm -hmm. to go along with the one eighty five. You're pretty much at that two twenty mark he was at last season. So if you liked what Kyle Schwarber did last year for you, forty six homers, hundred ribbies, hundred runs, he's pretty much on pace to do that despite struggling a little bit here in the first half. And you know those counting stats could potentially get even better. Uh, you know, Trey Turner starting to find his way. Bryce Harper. We actually have a question uh, from somebody on Twitter about Bryce Harper and what our thoughts are for him. If he starts to turn it around at all, then you're going to start to see a very. I mean, this team went to the World Series last year for a reason. The star power is fully there, mm -hmm. and it's just a matter about everything clicking. Now, I know that they're missing uh, Reese Hoskins, but still, uh, this this offense should be a lot better than they are. And I think Schwarber down the stretch should be a big reason for it. Now, he doesn't have those steals that he had last year, where he gave you ten stolen bases. That was also a huge part of the value, but. Even if he just chips in one or two, even if he has none, uh, you'll still be able to get by based on the power stats, especially if you are in an OBP league. But definitely a big fan of Kyle Schwarber. Uh, mm -hmm. Probably not going to cost you too much if you're trying to trade right now. And I would not be surprised uh, if you can get him for kind of a discount at this point. Let's talk Francisco Lindor. He's another guy where you're generally looking at a fairly good batting average. And this year it just mm -hmm. has been piss poor, 226. Everything else has kind of been okay, but again, uh, you're talking about the team context. The Mets have been a disaster, especially recently. Uh, the other night, God, it was they loaded the bases or something, and then there was like a walk, and then a wild pitch, and another walk, and then they just uh, they just imploded completely. And uh, the Mets Twitter absolutely hates Buck, and it just seems like a total disaster. But at the same time, they're not out of it. They're not like completely gone. They're only what is it? eight games out of a wild card spot mm -hmm. they could turn it on in the second half and maybe Lindor could contribute to that do you think that Francisco Lindor is worth buying into in the second half would you be trying to acquire more shares do you think that there's uh, more potential here or is he kind of maybe starting on the decline phase of his career because I have heard some people say that batting average is not what they used to be over these last couple of seasons not the same kind of power not the same kind of speed what, what are your thoughts on Francisco Lindor I mean, right now he's got 16 homers and nine steals. So if he's declining, he's still on pace for a 30, 20 season right now. Uh, looking just in his profile, like he's swinging inside the strike zone, about the same zone contact is about the same. It has been over the last few years, chase rates actually lower than it was last year and more in line with what his career average is. The chase contact percentage is right. Like all his numbers across the board. There's not one glaring thing that stands out to me. Um, you know, he is hitting 226 right now on the season, expected batting average on the year being 247. So 
I think he is like, yeah, like the days of Francisco Lindor hitting 300 plus. Uh, yeah, I don't expect that, but he probably could definitely settle in as a 250, 260 hitter, which in today's day and age, I think like the league wide batting average is like 240. So I do think he could hit above league average in, in batting average. And he's going to give you 30 home runs and 20 steals. Like that's very, it's a very solid player. Um, I, I don't, there's not too many things with Francisco Lindor I'm too concerned about. I did get a trade offer in my, uh, in one of my leagues for Christian Yelich. I had Christian Yelich. He offered me in Francisco Lindor and this was a couple weeks ago and I declined it just because it's a five outfielder league and Christian Yelich has been very valuable uh, and needed in five outfielders. You need some of those difference makers. Um, but Lindor has been fine. I, I'm he's somebody else. If somebody's concerned, I would definitely try to see if I can buy low on him because I think at this point you're kind of seeing the worst of him, and the worst of him still isn't that bad. Yeah, I think in terms of what I saw, I forget who it was. I don't think it was anybody too too prominent, but people were saying it's just it's not drastic. But those 35 to 38 home run seasons are now 25 to 30 where he used to score more than 100 runs. Now we're kind of you know, really hoping he gets back to kind of 100. He used to steal like 25-plus bases. Now maybe it's 20, mm-hmm. 300 average down to 250. So it's just kind of like small decreases across the board. He's still yeah. – I think he, I don't even think he's 30 yet. Yeah, he'd be 30 later this year. So not in a full decline phase. I think that that's, that's too extreme. But he's not the same asset that he was in his Cleveland years. And it is kind of a little soon to, to fully say – you know, he, he's not who he used to be. But at the same time, he's he's just not. And it's kind of surprising. Mm-hmm. I think maybe part of it is playing under the brighter lights in New York as opposed to Cleveland. We saw that in his first year mm-hmm. uh, where he did struggle. <clears throat> and the batting average, you know, in Cleveland versus what we've seen in New York, it's a lot worse. And I think that might be the biggest factor. Because like you said, like skill-wise, everything is the same. Uh, it's just that the New York media might be taking a toll on him as we've seen it do with <laughs> countless players over the years it i mean i'm not a new yorker i don't really know what it is like actually down there on the ground but not exactly the most forgiving bunch if you're struggling and it's definitely a possibility i I think Mm -hmm. that that could be a part of it because like you said you know statistically the strikeout rate walk rate those are those are pretty much the same everything else is pretty much the same uh again he's running a low babip he's a 290 career babip guy he's running a 240 babip this year maybe that turns around a little bit but yeah, I don't have a ton of concern. I think that the Mets are a decent candidate to turn it around as the year goes on just because of the sheer star power on that team. Yeah. Um, and we will probably see a better version of Lindor down the stretch. But let's switch gears. Let's talk some pitching. We spent a lot of time on hitters so far. Let's talk about Sandy. Let's talk about Sandy, who we did mention off the top as being one of the bigger busts of the year. But, you know, maybe he's starting to turn it around a little bit. He had a good outing against Boston yesterday. That being said, there's a lot not to like. The strikeout rate below 20% is rough. Uh, you know, he's only got the three wins and 16 starts. The team context is not terrible. They've actually been a decent team this year, uh, but still not getting the wins. He's got that 482 ERA. Uh, you know, he's just generally been very, very disappointing, especially where you took him probably somewhere mm-hmm. in the, you know, maybe as high as the late teens, as late as maybe the 30s, but wherever you picked him, you're definitely disappointed. David, do you think that there is reason to believe for a better second half from Sandy? Are you trying to sell your shares? Are you trying to acquire more? Uh, where are you at right now on Mr. Alcantara? If anything, I'm going to try to buy. I mean, we saw him have a great start yesterday against Boston. I think it was seven innings, one run ball. And you look just kind of at his start yesterday. 
uh, he really st uh, stopped using the sinker quite as much. Uh, over, uh, he used the sinker 20% of the time yesterday in that start, and it hasn't even been pretty much sub 30 in any of his other starts uh, since May. So, like, he is somebody I think that is trying to figure out what's going on. Obviously, you look at his baseball savant page, you see, you know, a career high, or I should say the highest walk rate he's had over the last three years. Uh, the lowest K rate he's had since 2019, like that stuff definitely stands out to you. He's given up a lot of hard contact. He's got 115 max EV right now. But again, like I think he's working on some stuff last year, you know, uh, he used the sinker, uh, 24.8% of the time he upped that usage almost 4% this year. And the sinker definitely has not been getting the job done. So the fact that he decreased the usage a little bit in this start and up the usage of some of his other pitches, I definitely think he's working on some things him getting that start against a, a sneaky good Red Sox lineup is definitely encouraging to me. I, I do think he's, I'm not saying he's going to be Cy Young, Sandy Alcantara, but you know, his expected ERA, his ERA metrics all show that they're lower than what his actual ERA is now. So, you know, maybe he's at the end of the year, he's like a high threes ERA guy right now. He's a high fours ERA guy. So I, I do, I know, the results have not been encouraging, but I am encouraged what I saw his last start. I do think he's working on some things, and he'd be someone I'd be buying. Yeah, if you look at those pitching indicators, which he's usually outperformed over his career. He's got a mm -hmm. 330 ERA and an XFIP over 4. Now, this season, he's got a 482 ERA, but XFIP is 415. The FIP mm -hmm. is 368. The XERA is 421. They're all quite a bit lower. Uh, if you go to major league leaders in ERA minus FIP, which is not a perfect stat, He's third in terms of you know unluckiest pitchers in terms of that metric. Um, I'm still willing to give him another chance, but I just think that there is generally kind of limited upside for him. I think the Marlins are going to run out of steam eventually. The Phillies and the Mets are going to start winning more games, and I don't think we're going to see the Marlins finish second in that division. I just don't think we're going to see that many more wins down the stretch. Not sure how many of them Alcantara is going to get. Obviously, there's potential for him to get victory still, but three wins in his first 16 starts. Mm -hmm. Maybe you're hoping for another six down the stretch, seven. Maybe he gets the double digits. I think that would be ideal. But that below 20% strikeout rate is just so brutal. Yeah. It's so hard to trot out there, three or 4% below league average. I'm still, I think I've changed my tune a little bit on him over the last week or so, but I was asked an interesting question yesterday, and it was one of the storms that I caused up over on Twitter. <laughs> who, would you, who would you take uh, rest of season right now, Sandy Alcantara or Reed Detmers? I saw you put Detmers on this. Uh... Yeah. I went with Detmers and I caused the, I kicked the hornet's nest a little bit. People were not <laughs> thrilled, but Detmers has been ridiculously good recently. And maybe mm -hmm. I'm just going recency bias, but I'll, I'll take Detmers ever so slightly. I think over Sandy strikeout upside, I think equal team context. What are your thoughts, David? I mean, I'm still going to take Sandy, but I have a lot of Detmers. I have him in like, I think three or four of my six teams this year. And, um, yeah, I think Detmers is going to be a little bit more volatile. I, again, Sandy's been definitely been volatile, but um, you know, Sandy's going to give you the arguably the most innings in baseball. So you know he's going to give you you know that part. The Ks are definitely concerning, but um, I do think there's. I think he struck out like eight yesterday. Like I, I do think that he's figuring something out, and this is going to be kind of like the last point you can really get him for potentially super cheap. I do understand your love for Detmers because, 
you know, he upped the slider velocity this off season. And I think he took a 92 mile an hour slider in his last start. Like when he's on and he can control the ball, which controls a big issue with him. um, He's very hard to hit. So like, yes, I'm going to take Sandy, but I'm not like sitting here like, Asking, like, what are you doing, Joe? Why are you crazy? Not like the people in my mentions. <laughs> yeah, I, got, I mean, people t- are taking that stuff like way too like like everybody has their own opinions. Like, you know, I, I again, we'll find out. You know, as time goes along, what's the better route to go? But yeah. um, that that definitely could be if somebody is, disagrees with you and wants to go the other way, they could be like, okay, maybe I'll try to sell Reed Detmers high to get Sandy. Um, so if, if they if they believe the other way, but I think it's the best part of it is you have somebody whose value is going up and you have somebody whose value is down. So you can kind of figure out which side you want to go on with that. What I've realized this year is that it's so, so tricky, like doing my rankings for the first time this season and just trying to like place certain players above other players. (laughs) And then you look back and you see, Oh, Bryce Elder's got the second best ERA. It's like, why do we even bother? You know, but at the end of the day, um, I love Detmers. I loved Alcantara and I took him a couple times this year I just I'm a sucker for strikeouts. I think that's what it comes down to, honestly. I think I'll take the guy who's striking out closer to 30%. And again, there's a lot of volatility. He walks a lot more guys than Sandy does. He's not going to throw as many innings. The Angels are definitely prone to implosions. Um, so there's a bit of risk there. Um, but I feel pretty confident. Honestly, you could toss a coin there. Uh for me, I think it's it's I think it's that close. But I did go with Debmers. Not to be a hot take machine. I don't like doing that kind of thing. I just mm-hmm. honestly at the time. I'm taking Debbers and down, down the stretch, we'll see what happens. Uh, but either way, I think we're probably going to see a better second half from Sandy than what we saw in the first half. Hopefully, crossing my fingers for that main event qualifier, which is dead <laughs> in the water at this point. Uh, that one actually, John Legaza, uh, shout out John Legaza. He looks like he's going to win that one. Uh, but let's move on. We talked about him briefly earlier. One of the big boys on the mound, Mr. Lance Lynn. When I talk about those ERA minus FIP leaders, Lance Lynn is at the top by a lot. His FIP is a run and a half lower than his ERA, which is at a sterling 640 right now. But XFIP is under four. XERA is 470, which is not great, but it's quite a bit better than what we're seeing uh, from the actual numbers. 27% strikeout rate is good. The walks have come back this year, back to the early career Lance Lynn, which is not great. But are you buying into a second half kind of surge from Lance Lynn here? Or do you think that he is maybe like Alec Manoa just kind of cooked with the pitch clock no i'm actually buying it uh i picked him up in a couple leagues that he was dropped obviously the 16 strikeout game for a player to have 23 strikeouts over a two-game stretch there's only a few that can do that uh three earned run or or not three earned run i think he gave up five or six over those two starts um but lance lynn definitely has swing and miss stuff you talked about how much you love pitchers that can get strikeouts lance lynn is showing he's one of those guys that can be a big asset for you in that category you know he can give you innings Uh, i'm very much encouraged we talked about the era metrics being so different Uh, a 640 era right now he's got an x era of 470 a a fip of 485 an x fip of 378 uh double digit K per nine, the walks definitely need to go down a little bit 3.4 right now. But again, his last two starts have me encouraged that again, you adjust to the pitch clock and you might struggle at first, but he seems like he's starting to figure something out and all it takes for him is to go out there one more time, his next start and to maybe give you like seven innings, two earned runs, eight strikeouts. And then all of a sudden you can't trade for him anymore. Um, so there are a lot of things to like a 340 BABIP as well. Like 
that's you would expect that hopefully that's going to normalize because he's uh, to have a 340 BABIP, that would be the highest BABIP he's had uh, of his career. And even close to that was the last time in 2019 with the Rangers. Like there's everything in his profile says there's regression coming. It's not like Alec Manoa. Uh, so that's why I think Lance Lynn, if there's people that didn't pay attention to his last two starts and are still trying to sell. I think you could get him for 50 cents on the dollar and you reap the benefits in the second half. It kills me because he got dropped in my home league. And as soon as I saw it, I picked him up because I was, it was fairly early on. It was maybe a month ago, but then it was, I think it was after the Yankees start or maybe the Dodgers start. And I said, you know what? It's a, it's a 10 team head to head categories league, my home league. And I thought this it's, I'm, what am I wasting my time for? And then, of course, the next timeout is the Seattle 16 strikeout. You know, visions of Kerry Wood popping up in your mind. <sighs> Man. So if you can get in on Lance Lynn, and by the way, if you're playing on Yahoo, he's only 60% rostered. It might not even be a buy low. It might just be a go to the waiver wire and check him out because, you know, the, I said this on the show a couple days ago. The average person in your fantasy league probably isn't digging so deep into XFIP and XERA. And like I know in my personal, you know, my home leagues, there's maybe two or three guys who know what fan graphs is. One person knows what pitcher list is. You know, a couple people know about baseball savant. It's like, I don't know how everybody's home league operates different, probably levels of competitiveness as you go across different age groups and, you know, buy-ins or whatever. But I think a lot of the time people just look at the actual numbers. People just look at the ranking. If you look at where he's ranked mm-hmm. on Yahoo, he's outside of the top 1000. That's six ERA, the whip at 150. You could probably buy him for, pennies on the dollar i don't know that anybody's re- and if you if you even need to trade for him because i think a lot of people have dropped him already um but definitely somebody that i have a lot more faith in down the stretch just think back on last year he started off horribly once he came back from his injury and then he ended off the year as one of the better pitchers in baseball also uh, worth noting he's only stranding 62 percent of base runners that's well below league average he's been a 75 percent strand rate guy in his career so I'd expect that to turn around. I expect the BABIP to regress somewhere closer to 300, which is his career norm. And we'll probably see a much better second half from Lance Lynn. I'm hoping so anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, Aaron Nola. Aaron Nola is another guy who has kind of disappointed, especially considering how early he was generally taken. Usually, I want to say, I can't remember now. It's been so long since we did drafts. But I think he was going in the third round a lot of the time, Aaron Nola. Maybe even late second, depending on your league format. But He's returned a 438 ERA this season. That great NOLA control is still pretty good, but not quite as good. The strikeout rate has gone down over these last couple of seasons. Haven't been very impressed with Aaron NOLA so far this year. Uh, He's got a K per nine below 10 for the first time since 2018. Uh, Mm -hmm. What are your thoughts? It's actually the lowest he's had since his rookie season. Uh, Are you buying back into Aaron NOLA or are you seeing legitimate signs of concern here? Well, I always start out any Aaron NOLA discussion with he is – he's the only player that I actually buy into a caveman type narrative with him. And that is his ERA every single year always alternates 2015 thrive three, five, nine next year, four, seven, eight, 2017, three, five, four. Then the next year he goes down to two, three, seven. That it's basically, basically every other year he's good. Aaron Nola to like meh Aaron Nola, even just going backwards. So this year he has a four, three, eight ERA. 2022, 325, 2021, 463, 2020, 328. So like it's always been every even year, Aaron Nola has been really good Aaron Nola and every odd year Aaron Nola has kind of been like slightly underperforming Aaron Nola. And it's funny because again, like no one likes to buy into that narrative, but he's literally like the only pitcher where he's literally shown that every year. And I don't know what it is, Um, but 
yes, there is going to be some regression, I think, positively for Aaron Nola. Uh, you know, he is somebody that you look at his stat cast page, there is a lot to like there. Um, you know, he's still somebody he's throwing 100 innings so far this season. Um, very durable pitcher. Expected ERA is a, a, about a run lower, just about. Uh, walking only 6.5% of batters, striking out 24%, which is, uh, you know, slightly under league average. It's not necessarily something I'm like majorly concerned about. Um, hard contact, max EV, all that's in line with his career averages. I do think there are better days ahead for Aaron Nola, but we obviously, um, he's a frustrating pitcher. He's not going to be somebody that, you know, goes out there and gives you eight consecutive starts of three earned runs or less like that. He's going to have the five inning six earned run game. And then the next game, he's going to have seven innings, two earned runs, 11 strikeouts. Like that's, that's what you're going to get with Aaron Nola. And I think at the end of the day, his season long ERA right now being four, three, eight, I think that's going to be probably somewhere in like the three eights, three nines by the end of the year. So from what you're saying, it's not probably worth it to go and actually like heavily try and acquire him. Like he might be marginally better, but nothing worth writing home about. I mean, it depends on who has him. If someone's like super frustrated with him and you can get him for a discounted price, for sure. Like, I just don't know too many savvy players that are going to give you a deal on Aaron Nola. That's the only problem is if, if I have Aaron Nola, you have to blow me away with an offer for me to, to trade him because he's still a very solid SP2, SP3. He's just inconsistent. So like, yeah. unless somebody's completely done with him, like he has a blow up start and you're getting him for a really good deal. Um, I just don't, again, see too many savvy players giving you a discounted price for him right now. So you'd be paying full price for him. And that's not necessarily something I'm too interested in right now, honestly. So I think it's a kind of just depends on your situation. Yeah, that's totally, totally fair with Aaron Nola. I definitely was hoping for better, but that's kind of just been the way starting pitchers have gone this season. You're expecting mm -hmm. something and you get something completely different. You know, Marcus Stroman, Bryce Elder at the top of the pack. And then you got, you know, guys like Nola and Alcantara and Burns struggling. Uh, we started off with some twins. Let's end it off with a twin here, and that's Pablo Lopez. We've seen kind of mixed bag. We saw a really, really strong start to the season. We've seen a couple of rough outings in the middle there. Uh, end of May, early June were kind of rough. He's got the strikeouts. The strikeouts have been there. The indicators tell us that he's better than what he's been giving us. Where are you at right now on Pablo Lopez, Mendy? I like him. I, I mean, he's been a pitcher that I normally don't ever draft, and I didn't do that this season either. Um, but Statcast page, blood red, a lot of good things to like with him. Strikeouts have really taken a leap this year. And the biggest reason for that is he's added a sweeper. That's, uh, this season, just how good it's been is a 167 batting average against a 145 expected batting average. So the sweeper has been really big for him combines that with a 37.6 whiff percentage on the pitch. So I think that's really made him, a, a kind of taken a step forward to being from a pretty good pitcher to a, a pretty great pitcher. You know, again, four for one, you, you say, is that great? Well, he's got a 311 expected ERA. So I do think he's kind of been a little bit unlucky. He has definitely can have outings where he gives up a little too many home runs. Uh, you know, that, that's definitely a bugaboo in his profile. Uh, he's got a fly ball rate right now, uh, a little bit above major league average, 25.7%. So yes, I, at the end of the day, Pablo Lopez, I think that 441 ERA allows you to potentially buy him a little bit cheaper um, because I do think that that sweeper being added to his arsenal has really elevated his game to another level. And the stat cast page shows that just again, the chase rate, 96 percentile chase rate. 
uh, expected batting average, top 82nd percentile, the K rate making the leap to where it's above 30% this year. Keep in mind, it's a guy that's never had a, above a 27.5% K rate. It's jumped uh, even just from last year, almost 7%. Uh, this is a guy who's really made some strides, and so he's somebody I'd be very interested in acquiring. Yeah, I'm of all the pitchers, I think this is the guy – you could argue Lance Lynch just because the price will be cheaper that he'd be my like number one target. But if you look at Lopez, like the expected numbers, mm-hmm. um, FIP and XFIP, they're all like a run or a full run or more below the actual yep. ERA. You know, the BABIP is not crazy high, but it can probably come down a little bit. The strand rate can probably go up a little bit as well. And that 30% strikeout rate is just so rare. Like you see it for so few pitchers are actually able to give you a 30% strikeout rate. And I actually have fan graphs open here i might as well just go and see how many qualified pitchers are giving you a 30 percent k rate this season it's five there's only five pitchers who are doing that it's spencer strider otani kevin gosman blake snell and then pablo lopez so there's definitely something to be said there especially when it comes with a 6.8 percent walk rate which is really really good there's a few guys in that same group you know strider struggles with walks snell can otani can that strikeout minus walk rate for him is really, really good. It's among the league leaders, fourth in strikeout minus walk rate. You know, those indicators being what they are, pitching for a pretty good team. If I'm buying Pablo Lopez wherever I can, personally. I, I love what he's doing. That strikeout rate is really surprising, being mm-hmm. 30%. Um, but I'm definitely taking it. He has been really, really, really uh, unlucky, I think, so far. A 441 ERA does not tell you the whole story whatsoever. So I'm definitely going out and getting some Pablo Lopez where I can. And we're going out and getting some D Mendy where we can. Really appreciate you hopping on the show today, man. Really great time catching up. Hey, thanks for having me, man. Always, uh, we'll definitely we'll hop on with you when I'm invited. And uh, it's always great catching up with you and talking some baseball. Yeah, I am sad. Uh, I'm sad we won't be able to hang out again in person, but we'll we'll put that one on the back burner for 2024, and we'll make sure that uh, we get together for some golf, some drinks, some baseball. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, I do want to say before I let you plug your work, congrats on everything you got going on in your own life because there's a lot of cool uh, achievements you got coming up personally. So I want to congratulate you there. Um, you want to let everybody know where we can find your work once more at Triple Play and where else uh, you got stuff going on right now. Appreciate you, man. I really uh, appreciate just spending the time with you and, and uh, you know talking with you and everything else we've been doing, hanging out. And uh, yeah, as far as my work, you can, again, triple play fantasy. If you want to check out the stuff I'm most proud of that I'm doing our baseball podcast, triple play fantasy on YouTube. You can check it out. We record every single Thursday night at 9 PM Eastern time. Uh, we, me, Marty party doc and little cheesecake. We do that. If you want minor league baseball talk, I host the call up as well with me, Michael Richards and Vinny who's down on the farm eight on Twitter. And we talk about minor league baseball and then the fantasy baseball beat with Mike Carter and Torres. They do a great job talking to beat reporters around the game. All three of those baseball shows on the Triple Play Fantasy Network to give you all the aspects to be a fan, better fantasy baseball player. Triple Play, some of the best guys around, some of the best content you guys can be finding as well. And not just baseball. You guys got you got football. You got some basketball stuff, I see. So definitely be checking out Triple Play if you guys haven't already. I'd be shocked if you haven't. Uh, but go there and check them out over on Twitter as well. Uh, if you guys want to follow along with our work, you get David's work at dmendy 2 You can find me at joerico 99 Make sure you guys are checking out sportsethos.com if you have not done so already. Just launched our draft guide. We relaunched our NFL podcast, our redraft podcast, and we got a dynasty podcast too. So there's overwhelming amount of content going on right now. And that's not even talking about the baseball. That's just football. We got all kinds <laughs> of daily, weekly baseball content as well. 
and stuff across all four major sports. So you guys got to go check it out for yourself at sportsethos.com. But until tomorrow, guys, have a great night. Take care. We'll see you tomorrow. Cheers. <laughs>